Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by my good friend, Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Uh, see people there he's only saying good friend because you didn't hear the stuff that was going on prior to air okay so that's his way of coming up to me and making everything everything smooth but he is my friend i do i wouldn't be i do care about him and he's he's leaving and um he's going away he's leaving california and he's moving to tennessee and i wish him all the luck i'm happy for his family uh, I just hope that they're going to be very happy in their new, in their new home in Tennessee. And good luck and congratulations on the move. Thank you. Just to be clear, I'm not leaving the show. I'm just leaving LA, and going to no, Nashville. no. He's he's just going to be moving <laughs> over the, bringing his his uh, lovely family and himself, uh, making the state of Tennessee a better place. Uh, I'm going to try. Yeah. Well, when you bring good people, it's always. It's always helpful. Good people is what makes the place. The place don't make the place. It's the people that are there. And um, also, to show you my that I do care about you, obviously the people know that. They feel our chemistry. but And, and your, your pain after the weekend, right? I, I, <laughs> I made something for you. Here, this is, I had to make this for you. <laughs> oh, wait, that, no, no, that, 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 damn it, I'm sorry. That's, I'm sorry. The I Tampa how, Bay I don't know Patriots how that, going back uh, to the Super Bowl. I don't know how that got in there. Uh, but, you know, uh, don't worry. I mean, really, and listen, uh, the, everybody out there, if you have any caring for Ken, uh, not that we want to send negative thoughts out, but I know just just a little, little tiny negative thoughts for the Super Bowl. Not too much, not too much. But to, I'd hate to see how he's going to feel if they actually win the Super Bowl. Uh, the Tampa Bay Patriots. I would hate to. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, if, if just how bad will it be if they win, Ken? How bad will it be? Nah, I, to be honest, I'm actually hoping they do because I think the Patriots will get a Super Bowl ring too since half the team is from oh New England. Oh, my goodness. Half the team. <laughs> half the team. The half that matters, Brady oh, and wow. Gronk. Wow, wow. Hey, Gronk, <laughs> Gronk every once in a while gets a little <laughs> – he, he don't have it too much left, but every once in a while he, he'll make a play, you know. It's, it's, it's amazing. But – uh. Brady was so good in the first half, though. Did his age show a little bit? And I'm being serious now. Did his age show a little bit in the second half when he threw up three picks? I mean, is that can that be connected to it, or or is it just that his concentration level uh, fluctuated a little, which you wouldn't expect from a pro uh, like you know, like Brady? Yeah, I don't know. I the guy's hard to he's hard to bet against. Um. You know, I'll give credit to um, Green Bay for making good plays. Hey, listen, it was very interesting Super Bowl, or it is a very interesting Super Bowl matchup, just from the point of view of you got the the old, you know, greatest of all time, I guess is pretty much the standard thinking for Brady at this point, 
except from <laughs> except from you maybe but <laughs> uh, i would say most people are pro- pretty much inclined to agree with that so you got this veteran greatest of all time quarterback comes back i mean it's an unbelievable scenario he comes back he leaves his team all those Super Bowls, all those years with the great coach of Belichick. He leaves, he picks the right team, brings them to a Super Bowl, and now he's playing against the heir apparent of his throne, so to speak. It's, yep. it's pretty interesting. His stats are unbelievable. He's got 10 Super Bowl starts. The next closest guy, Joe Montana, has five. In half the seasons, more than half the seasons that he's been healthy, he's gone to the Super Bowl. More than half. And his winning percentage in the Super Bowl is like 667%. He's got 33 playoff starts. The next closest guy, 16. But you're not, inf- it's crazy. You're not infatuated with him. He, he's not under your skin. <laughs> I, say, it, I was just... say no more. Say it. Yeah, wait for your lawyer. Just, just wait for your lawyer. Please, say no yeah. more. <laughs> so you're not represented right now properly really he's unbelievable okay let's do boxing uh let's uh or we'll start with mma michael chandler ufc debut oh my god what a performance he put on against dan hooker just blasted him right out of there in the first round i think hooker looked to be so concerned with the takedown um that he wasn't expecting the punch upstairs and and hook and and Chandler caught him with a bomb and put him right out knocked him right out jumped on him and just annihilated him i mean what'd you see there there wasn't really much to evaluate given that he just essentially jumped in there swarmed him and knocked him out i disagree there's always something to see ken um if you know what you're seeing and it doesn't just happen it's very uh, i don't believe in lucky shots in boxing, MMA, any of the combat sports, or you know, even Hail Marys in football. When you throw it, you throw it, uh, and in your last second, you're, you're able to pull it off and pull it out of the fire. There's skills, there's, there's training for that, there's preparation for those situations. And with same thing here, I mean, he went in there with a plan, Chandler. I'm not going to take it on myself to know more than I would ever should be pretending to know about Hooker. I know he's a tough son of a gun. Uh, they all are. Most of them are. They, it depends to what level of toughness. They take it to different levels. But I'll say this. It looked like Chandler had a better idea of what he was dealing with and what he was going to do then maybe, maybe then Hooker did. And it's not knocking. It's me doing my show and doing what I need to do behind the microphone here uh, and and try to do it uh, responsibly and from the places that I come from. But it's also the consistencies in this fight. We had just seen Hooker. We just did a fight companion on Hooker with Poirier. And, you know, one of the things that became so evident to me and that I pointed out is he's kind of hook up kind of like the guys when I was doing the fights for all those years at ringside at ESPN he's he's a guy that is given these these great physical assets you know uh certain assets that uh not everyone gets height length you know and he doesn't really always know how to use them. And it's kind of like what I say about 
just a tall fighter being tall. It's not enough to be tall to guarantee you know how to fight tall. And it's not enough to be tall and long and know how to fight tall and long. It's something that, yeah, you have to have the God-given physical and the, 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 the attributes that are born from genetics, from your parents, uh, the physical attributes of, of those advantages that can be advantages, height and length. But to use them has to be taught. It has to be developed. And a lot of times I'd be do, doing the fights and I'd say, let's find out if this tall guy knows how to fight tall. And a lot of times you find out they don't. It's a combination of maybe not being taught, not understanding how, the technique that goes to it, and also the personality, uh, the, the mental makeup, you know, of, the, of that person. Uh, the, you know, who you are, that you're an aggressive person. You, it's almost like I make a joke, like you don't care if you're tall. I'm aggressive, I'm going to fight small. You know, it's your temperament. It's always tied into that. And that's the first thing that I thought of when this fight was, was announced that it's not going to help Hooker being that he doesn't really, he's not inclined to fight tall. And that Chandler looking like a strong guy, first fight in the UFC coming from Bellator. But the homework I did on him, you know, he was good on the mat. He was good on striking. He was strong. I had mentioned on our last broadcast that he was a good right-hand puncher, and his technique looked really good. When he threw the right hand, he threw it the right way. He threw it nice and straight. He threw it from different positions to change those positions depending on what the opening was or wasn't. That's a guy who knows what he's doing. And again, Hooker, I love him. I mean, tough son of a gun, but doesn't know how to fight tall. And Chandler had the right game plan, Ken. The, even though it only lasted a minute or whatever, a lot went into that. That's not just slam bang, you know, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, that's how it may appear. But technique, thinking, executing went into getting it to that. And the execution and the thinking for me that I saw evident, I give him so much credit for it, is Chandler went in there and he understood that he could get Hooker to give up his height and that he could get him to engage. And he also understood that by putting pressure on, he would get Hooker to back up. And when he's backing up, you're not set to punch. I mean, other than Muhammad Ali, there's not too many guys that were actually able, and there's some, but that were actually able to back up and be efficient offensively. And once he got Hooker backing up and once he penetrated, Chandler being he, penetrated that zone of being close, he knew exactly what to do. As he was backing up, he threw a beautiful, and again, he kept him backing up knowing that offensively Hooker would be, you know, he, he, would, he would not be effective. He would not be a danger. And he threw a beautiful combination, a right hand to the body, a left hook to the head. Set it up beautifully, knowing that 
the one thing that you could catch when you're closing a gap at first is the body. And he caught it, went downstairs, and he also knew that he would take his eye level down, and then the left hook would be a naked hook, a blind hook that could do more damage. So it was a well-executed plan by Chandler. And you talk about coming on the scene and making a name for yourself. That's what he did. I mean, you talk about going on Broadway on the stage the first time and bringing the house down. That's the way you want to do it. I mean, your first fight, your first fight in the UFC, the big boys, that's how you want to do it. And he did it. And he was, hey, he was a little cocky in his uh pronouncement of the king is here <laughs> you know so to speak like you know <laughs> I, i'm sure a lot of the ufc fighters that have been grinding it out and been there for years might not have been pleased with his tone you know of saying hey <laughs> i basically i want everyone i'm the king now and I, bring me everybody's head <laughs> bring me everyone's head now and but on the other side of it he earned the right you could say to to boast that way at that moment when the spotlight was on him. He delivered. You know, the spotlight was on him. He delivered. I know, again, a lot of people say, hey, you better earn. You know, we've been here a long time, buddy. You know, you're just coming and you're making these proclamations and these announcements and proclaiming this and that. And these, you know, basically sounded almost like demands. Uh, You know, who you're going to fight and you're the king. You know, a lot of people, again, they're not going to, it's not going to bode well with them. But, again, he delivered. He did deliver. And when you deliver, guess what? You can uh, you can crow uh, at that moment. And he crowed. But I think that uh, he, listen, he's a force. He, he, he beat a legitimate guy. But again, it wasn't. We saw the final result of his power, the explosiveness. But I always look at the plan. I always look at the execution of the plan, and that showed me an intelligent guy. Again, you know, I, I always want to remember people. Yeah, these guys are savages. You know, in a good way. These guys are beasts, like my son says about the top NFL players. They're beasts, Dad. The guys are beasts in the most complimentary way. And these guys are. But they're smart. They're, they're smart, too. The best ones are smart, too. And um, it shows. That's a part of it. Otherwise, you're just tough. You have to know how to implement your abilities, how to use your skills in that kind of environment. An environment of, of an environment of fire, an environment of danger, an environment of elbows, kicks, knees, bare fists practically. That's that's a hell of an environment to be able to maintain your wits and think. And when you can, you have an edge on that guy. You're still the beast. You're all beast. All of you. But you're the smarter beast. I would say to my fighters, I would always say to them, we're going to be a monster. But a smart monster. <laughs> a smart monster. <laughs> so there you have it. That's what I saw. That's what I respected. 
That's what I appreciated. And I'd like to see more of them. Just like I used to say on ESPN when we had a sensational, a guy make a sensational debut. The first thing I'd say is, I want to see more. <laughs> you know, I want to yeah. see more. And that's how it made me feel. I want to see more. Hey guys, I want to take a quick pause to give a thank you to today's sponsor, Amp Human. We're very excited to have Amp Human working with us. Amp Human is a performance com- human performance company dedicated to helping people unlock their potential. Their latest innovation is D Plus Lotion. It's a one-of-a-kind gel-based lotion that delivers vitamin D directly through the skin. With limited sunlight during the winter months and more time indoors, there's never been a more important time to supplement with vitamin D, especially during these COVID times. Vitamin D deficiency is shown to be one of the biggest precursors to um, people with severe COVID symptoms. Just two pumps on the inner forearms contains 5,000 IU of vitamin D3 to boost your immunity, improve sleep quality, and support brain function. This is by far the easiest and best way to get vitamin D you need to boost your immune system and better your health. I also love their PR lotion. It's one of my favorite products for um, pre-race and pre-workout runs. I put it all over my legs and torso. I mean, with this stuff, more is more. I love it. It's like a sodium bicarbonate rub. It's almost like think of it like a topical um, Gatorade um, to check it out and get a special offer be sure to visit amphuman.com slash atlas use the promo code atlas a-t-l-a-s to get 15% off your vitamin d plus lotion today again that's amphuman.com slash atlas use promo code atlas for 15% off your d plus lotion today Today's program is also, also brought to you by Athletic Greens, the all-in-one daily drink to support better health and peak performance. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I love this stuff. It's one of my favorite products. It literally has everything you need. The, these guys spent 10 years with top nutritionists and doctors to create this formula. It's made from 75 whole food sourced ingredients. It's got vitamins, minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, and antioxidants. It's like an insurance policy for your body's health and immunity. Between the athletic greens and the amp human vitamin d plus lotion they literally have you covered i mean especially during these covid times like you want to make sure you're really covering all your bases here um this stuff is literally all you need to stay on top of your immunity with 12 servings of fruits and vegetables athletic greens has you covered there's no need for additional uh multivitamins uh, anything else you might be taking athletic greens has given our listeners five free travel packs um, with their first purchase so whatever whether you're looking to boost your energy levels support your immune system or address gut health athletic greens is the way to go simply visit athleticgreens.com atlas to claim the special offer of five free travel packs with your first purchase again athleticgreens.com atlas well, that brings us to the main event, and what an awesome show for our friend Dustin Poirier. Stops Conor McGregor in the second round. I mean, from my, from my, uh, in my opinion, he beat him soundly. I mean, for uh, first round, I think you could have argued either way. I think some people had it for Dustin, some people had it for um, Conor, but I think Dustin had the better game plan, obviously. Uh, took his leg apart with those calf kicks. I mean, uh, looked like Conor could barely stand up at the end, and and at the end, it almost looked like he kind of capitulated, like just resigned to take the punches and, and go down, taking nothing away from Dustin striking, but it just looked like once the leg was gone, it kind of took all the fire out of uh, 
um, McGregor and he was resigned to just take a beating and that's what he got. And uh, congratulations to Dustin. I know you've got a lot of thoughts on this one. And, you know, quite honestly, you predicted this one exactly. You you pointed out in our last show that Dustin um, was a completely different fighter than the first time. He was mature. He was calm. You could see not only in the... Um, in his entrance into the ring and the build up to the fight. But even after the victory, he was like almost emotionless and just kind of like business, just all business. Like the quarterback that would run into the, uh, the, the running back would run into the end zone and just hand the football to the referee. Like, yeah, I'm not surprised. This is what I get paid to do. And that was Dustin's uh, demeanor on Saturday, just all business. And he took him apart. I mean, he really put on an awesome performance. What'd you think? Like Jim Brown. Jim Brown, the running back, maybe the greatest running back of all time. He played less seasons, uh, shorter seasons, uh, you know, much less carries than the guys that, you know, Emmitt Smith, all those great running backs, don't get me wrong, uh, tremendous. But he had less carries than all of them. And I think most football people that really consider themselves expert on that sport would say maybe Jim Brown was the greatest runner of all, even though maybe two two guys are ahead of him now with yardage, two or three. I don't know exactly where, but he used to be known for that. He would he would run into the end zone, as you just said, and instead of doing one of these elaborate celebrations, he would just hand the ball, <laughs> hand the ball to the umpire, to the referee, and walk away. And one time a newspaper guy asked him, hey, Jim, you never slam the ball down. You never do any of these things that are becoming more and more exotic uh, from some of the players that get in the end zone. How come? And Jim Brown gave the right answer. The answer you expect from somebody who's great at what they do and with the confidence of it. He said, I've been there before and I expect to be there again. (laughs) (laughs) So... I want to also I want to also point out one of the tweets you sent out that I liked during the fight. You said experience and maturity can free up free you up from wasted and harmful emotions. It showed tonight for Poirier and great prep and fight plan didn't hurt and he executed it. it. Was a perfect summation of what happened. Yeah, listen, I felt good about his chances, and I and we uh, obviously I stated that, and we we covered it. I I felt good that this is a fight that. People were counting him short if they thought he had no chance because of what happened six years earlier. Six or seven, I'm not exactly sure of the calendar. But um, he was a different guy. That's where it starts. What I said before this fight, what I said on our podcast. And if you guys were listening, uh, you know what? You went to my bookie, yeah, you might have made a couple shillings. <laughs> uh, you know? Not that we're right all the time, but you, you would have got a good... Uh, a little good payback there. You, what was the line, Ken? You would have. What were you coming back with? He he was coming back with anywhere from like two fifty to two seventy five minus three hundred to three fifty on uh, on uh, McGregor. And if you bet him by knockout, well, then you could. I think you could have got five to one, maybe. Then you could have been, you know, moving to Tennessee with Ken this weekend and <laughs> getting one of those mansions, uh, like Ken is moving into. <laughs> Listen, it all starts with a different man. He was a baby. I think those were my words. Uh, you know, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I think the point is gotten, uh, is was gotten when I said it the way I did on our podcast before the fight. He was a baby back then. He's a man now. And also, when I said freed up, what did I mean by that? His maturity, his everything. 
he now, 80% of this game, Ken, is, is mental. 75, 80%. In my business, I always said 75. In this business, I'd say it's more like 80. Now, a lot of people say, Teddy, what about the kicks, the elbows, the condition? Yeah, we know all that. I got you. Um, you get to a certain level of that. Some guys are more talented than others. 80% of it, to use whatever skills you have in that octagon, in that cage, under those circumstances, with those, that environment, of fear and danger, uh, you have to mentally be superior. You have to mentally be on top of your game, be in control of yourself, be a master, just like you have to be a master with all your physical abilities, kicking, jujitsu on the floor, grappling, wrestling, striking. You have to be a master of the mind in control of your emotions. He wasn't a master back six, seven years. He wasn't in control of his emotions and his mind to the level he was now. Uh, I, in some ways, he went into that first fight, in my estimation, being in this business, in the fight business, 45 years, in my estimation, not in control of himself in the way you have to be. I'm not talking about in control of physically your domain of what you're responsible for as far as conditioning and knowing what to do. But I'm talking about controlling your emotions. I'm controlling, I'm talking about, you can see he was impacted by the trash talk. And I make no excuses. McGregor was the better guy. Uh, and he and he won, just like Poirier was the better guy and won this time. But I'm explaining something to people, hopefully, in a way that they can better, that it's helpful and that you can better appreciate what goes into this sport. The first time I believed that Poirier, there was too much furniture in the room. In the room being the attic, the head, the mind, where it was jumbled up with things that shouldn't be jumbled up with. He hadn't gotten to the place where he could clear the room. Now he had. Now he had. Clear the room of negative things, of things that have no place at that level, at that level, where he was just in there. Yeah, he was in there throwing down, if you want to use that term that we used to use, you know, a lot of times the kids would use in the fighting. Well, that's throw down. So he was in there to throw down. But he wasn't in there the first time in a calculating way to fight professionally at that level. To do the things that are part of a professional fight at that level. More than just throwing down. Yeah, he was there ready to, you know, let his hands go. Ready to engage. To take on the challenge. But he wasn't there in a way that he was there on Saturday night where, as I said, he eliminated the noise. He eliminated the furniture that was just taking up space where he knew what it was about. And when you know what it's about and when you get to that place, if you get to it, and that's what you're striving for, I know that's what I'm pushing my guys for as a teacher, as a trainer. When you get to that place, you're free. He wasn't free the first time. He was hostage to those feelings. But this time he was free. 
This time it was only about what it should be about. In anything you do, Ken, baseball, football, basketball, business, lawyer, doctor, teacher, whatever it's about, he was free to concentrate on just what it was about, fighting, having a plan and executing that plan and taking your emotions and putting them where they need to be put and controlling them and using them in the right way. That's what he was. That's where it starts for me and for him. And then he was he had a great plan. He had a great plan, and I said it during the tweets. I said it before the fight. It wasn't any secret that McGregor's a fast starter, an explosive starter, a quick twitch kind of talent, explosive, and that sometimes Poirier could be a slower starter. And he had to be obviously very, very aware of that and do something about it. And he had a plan to do something about it. And when everyone else was kind of almost giggling, the, the, especially the backers of Connor, and I get it, and I'm not taking a shot at you at all. I applaud you guys. You guys are, like all the fans I applaud, you're loyal fans. And your guy obviously in no way shamed himself. He never does. And none of these guys do. They don't know how. But what I'm saying is that some people you could almost see the the giggle, like a giggle like after the first round. Like, ho, 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 you know, it's going to be the same. Oh, it was bad round. And I wasn't looking at a bad round for Poirier. Ken, I wasn't looking at that. And I even tweeted it. I, I wasn't looking at it as a bad round. He lost the round. But I was looking at it as a good round. I was looking at like everything's going according to plan. Like he slowed it down. He had to get into the fight. He had to give himself a place to build off of. A belief that he could build off. Something to to jump off of for the second round. He had to get past that first round. Not just survive it, but without too much damage. But he had to get past that first round. And again, just build a, some kind of platform for himself to jump off the next round, to, to, to move forward off mentally. Physically too, but mentally. And he did. And he had to have a plan to do that. He got in close, he went to the floor, got up against the cage, got nullified, he, he stretched it out. He stretched it out. Sometimes you got to stretch the game out. You got to slow it down, fights too, Ken, and you got to stretch it out by some time. And he did. Basketball games, I, I think about some of the great, great, great upsets in college basketball, some great ones. Um, where you had, well, the great Jimmy Valvano, the late great Jimmy Valvano with North Carolina State, uh, when when they when they upset, um, who the heck was it? Uh, when when they upset, uh, was it? Who the heck was it? Was it Houston? Was it Houston? When they upset the Houston team that had all the NBA players on it? Yeah. 
Yeah, now Houston had like five NBA players. The, like they called them the five slammer jammer. I yep. mean, they flew all over the stadium. It was like, like you walked in, you say, <laughs> I mean, it's like human beings are flying. Human beings are flying over here. They're just like <laughs> dunk here, dunk there. And, and they were unbelievable. Elijah, one of the greatest players of all time, uh, Clyde the uh, Clyde the Glide Drexler uh, was on that team. Unbelievable. They were, no shot. No shot. No shot. But they had a plan. You had to slow the game down in spots. You had to. There were certain things that had to be done because you weren't as athletic as them. You weren't as fast as them. You weren't as good in certain areas. So you had to outsmart them. You had to control the things you could control. And there was no margin fairer or you were getting blown out. You know, I mean, uh, the same thing I remember Villanova was another great example. Villanova, when they beat Georgetown in college basketball years and years ago, and Patrick Ewing was the center for Georgetown. I mean, Villanova had a bunch of guys that were like your height <laughs> or maybe Rob's height, <laughs> and, 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 they, and they won. But they had a plan, a discipline, a plan, a belief, everything, mental toughness. And that's what I saw. And it was the same sort of thing. Like, you can't run and gun with McGregor. You, you, it would have been like with Clyde Drexler and Elijah one. You would have got blown out of the freaking building. So what did he do? He grappled. He got up against the fence. He slowed it down. He got himself mentally and physically into the game, into the fight. Brilliant. Dustin, if you're listening, and I know you listen to our podcast, brilliant. And a lot of people didn't recognize that. They just recognized that you came back in the second round. But no, I was thinking, no, this is... This. My wife was so nervous because she knows we're friends with him. She was like, oh, my God, oh, I can't watch it. <laughs> I said, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. He's, he's, he's doing what he needs to do. And he, he slowed it down. He got in close. He... Uh, he was able again by doing that, even though he lost the first round, he was able to build off of that. He was able to get control of the fight and have control of himself for the rounds that were coming. And, and it worked. So, so that's where it starts for me, from being a different guy and then from having a great plan. He had a tremendous plan. He knew exactly. And then for me, I was saying, because when he got in close, he took Connor out of his he took Connor out of his best element, striking from a distance. And he kind of like sent a signal, I'm gonna get close to you. He sent a mental signal. Really? There's a lot to this. Like a message, I'm gonna get close. I can get I can get to you when I want to. I can kind of like those movies where you saw the guy just to be, I can get to you anytime I want. Just a reminder. <laughs> anytime I want, I can get to you. It was like a mental thing. I can get to you. I can get close. You're not going to keep me where you want on the outside where you're going to show that great striking ability and great power with the left hand. No, I can, I can get close. So, and he kept them away, whether it was for two minutes, three minutes, minute and a half he kept them from those two minutes those minute and a half those three minutes of doing what he does best he kept them from doing that that's a win 
that's what people, I, I just had to make sure that people see that, that there's more to it than, than sometimes what meets the eye. So, the second round, he goes and he's in a good place. And for me, the fight plan had to be, and you could see it was, you know his strengths, you know, Clint Eastwood used to say in those Dirty Harry movies, you know, a man must know the other man's strengths and a man must know his weaknesses. And you, it's true. <clears throat> and he knew the strengths of Connor was, don't let him keep you at the end of his punches. Don't be at the end. Change your distance. Either be all the way out or all the way in. But don't get caught at the end of his punches. He's got a reach advantage. He even used that reach advantage against Mayweather, Ken. He won the first four rounds. He was ahead after four rounds against Mayweather. I know what happened, but I'm just saying. Let's not forget that. McGregor was ahead for four rounds. I was there. I was there ringside doing the fight for Sports Center for ESPN. He was ahead after four rounds. And then Mayweather, the great Mayweather, did what he had to do. Took advantage of the things he had to take advantage of. But he was ahead for using his lane, using his southpaw style and his, his reach. Well, Poirier knew that he had to make sure that he didn't allow him to use his reach, to keep him at the end. So changed, he changed range. Uh, very subtle. But I noticed it. Changed range. He didn't just stand there. He did like the old timers would say, uh, the real trainers. They used to say, hey, take a walk downtown. <laughs> I love it. Take a walk around the block. You know, don't stand in front just doing nothing. You know, like I would tell fighters. Uh, what did your grandmother and your mother used to tell you? If you hang out on the corner, nothing good's going to happen. You're going to get in trouble. Something bad's going to happen. Well, if you hang out in front of the guy, something bad's going to happen. Like a left hand. Bang! That's bad. That's bad. <laughs> so... Get out of the corner. Take a walk downtown. He did. He changed distance. He did those things. He did those things. He was prepared. He understood this time what he had. And he was calm enough in control. He got rid of the furniture where he didn't bang into stuff where he couldn't do it. He could mentally do it. He was prepared to do it. To concentrate just on fighting. Nothing else. Not all the other stuff that got into his skull six years ago. I'm telling you. So now he does that. And then, even though Connor's a great counterpuncher, Dustin's a hell of a striker, too. If you get Connor to give up his height a little bit, which everyone's going to make a mistake, maybe get a little overconfident, start to think, I'm going to get to him again like I did six years ago, and get a little too close, you could count him. When you get those chances, counter the counterpuncher. Oh, my God. That's what he hurt him with. He counted him with his left hand. He got kind of a little too close, gave up the, the reach, and he counted him with the left hand. It wasn't just brute force. Smart. It was a beautiful technique. He hurts him with that. And so for me, the fight plan was change distance, don't get caught at the end of the punches, counter the counter puncher when you can, and spots. Uh, make sure... Make sure that you keep him from his strengths as much as you can. And he did that. And then, Poirier's a good puncher. You know why? Because his feet are always set. 
He's always balanced. He's always grabbing the floor. He's always grabbing the floor, Ken, where he's, he's balanced. He's always, he's always in position to deliver, to shift the power into the punch because his feet are under him. And he, he was that again when he had to be. Uh, he's a really good striker. All those things. But you know what he's really was great at that night? He was a great finisher. He was a great, not everyone's a great finisher. You are, you aren't. He was a great, and I'm talking about great finisher. What a, he is a hell of a finisher. He did it against Gadji. Was it Gadji? Um, Gadji. He did it against a lot yep. of guys. He, that's not an accident. He is a tremendous finisher. Like, I, I put him up there. People are going to say, whoa! You're putting him with, but I mean, he was a finisher with, in my sport. He, he was Jack Dempsey, one of the great finishers of all, the Manassas Mola, one of the great finishers in the history of boxing. Uh, Joe Lewis. Oh, my God. Joe Lewis. My, my Joe Lewis, who I love. He, he's, he's, he's like in those levels when you compare the two sports, I mean. You know, um, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was a great finisher. Joe Lewis. Jack Dem These guys were great finishers. They hurt you. They got rid of you for the most part. And that's what Dustin did. When he hurt him, ho, ho. I mean, my family was all excited that because, you know, they obviously know we're rooting for him. And they were like, oh, oh do you think he, oh, oh, wait, it's not over. I said, no, no, it's over. <laughs> I, and I never say that. I never, I'm too superstitious. I've been around too long. I never say that, Ken. But I said, oh, no, it's over. It's, it's over. Because I know what kind of finish he is. And I just wanted to take the time to break it down to the level that I just did because I think he deserves it. I think the fans deserve it in a way that they can appreciate that it's more, which I know the fans do, but on a certain level, you to really you can always appreciate even more of there's more than just brute force. There's more than just toughness. There's more than just conditioning and great cardiovascular, which these guys have all of that. There's more than just an endure, an ability to endure, to endure, to take pain, to find a way, to discover new places, to shine a light in a dark place that had been dark before for most people. And it remains dark for most people. But to go and shine a light in those places and to show you can go beyond the dark. You can go where the light ends. And there's even more. There's this that goes with it. That's my story. That's what I wanted to bring to this. And Dustin, congratulations, buddy. <laughs> Congrat I know he's coming on our show. Um, that he'll be coming on soon for all the fans out there. Uh, you know, and and listen, it's also, isn't it a little extra nice, like a cherry on top, when the guy's a nice guy too? <laughs> that isn't that a nice. Doesn't that make us feel a little extra good as a guy that runs a charity that helps people, that benefits people that have tough lives, and he makes their life a little better, and he cares about doing that, and he's dedicated to doing that. Isn't it nice? Isn't that a little cherry on top? I think so. Yep. 
not unlike the Dr. Atlas Foundation in the great Staten Island. Um, well, just to show you what kind of guy Dustin is. A Thank you. Ken, Ken, just for that, just for, wait, hold on. Get it up there again. <laughs> okay. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I love you. Love you. As soon as, as soon as the fight was over, I sent Dustin a text just saying, wow, what a fight. Congratulations. I, I know you're not surprised, but still great performance. Teddy, I don't even I don't even know how he responded this fast, short of like still being in the ring. But he said, thank you very much. As soon as I sent the text, like I'm talking as soon as the fight was over. And obviously I asked him, like, you know, we'd love to have you on the show whenever you have a chance. He said, it'd be my pleasure. So we'll have him on in the coming days and looking forward to hearing from him and hearing what's next. Obviously, after the fight, we heard Chandler calling out everyone under the sun, which, you know, that's to be expected. That's what of he course. should do. Of course. And and, uh, Dust and Dustin said specifically after the fight when they asked him about Chandler, he's like, no, Chandler has had one fight against a guy I've already beat and I've fought, you know, I don't know how many times he's fought in the UFC to get to the point where he's in line for a title shot. And um, I kind of understand where Dustin's coming from, but at the same time, everyone knows Dana White makes the rules in the UFC. I... Um, you know, with the exception of Charles Oliveira, I don't know who else would be in line to fight uh, Dustin for a vacant title if, in fact, Khabib doesn't come back. Charles Oliveira has eight wins in a row, and I know in the post-fight press conference, Dustin said, let let Chandler fight um, Charles Oliveira, and I'll fight the winner, which uh, would be entertaining as well. But it will be interesting to see what happens there, and we'll, get, we'll hear more from Dustin in terms of his uh, opinion on what happens next. But... Lots of excitement in the 155 division. But uh, one thing I wanted to get your thoughts on, they announced um, our friend Dustin, um, our friend Francis Ngannou is finally going to get his title shot against uh, Stipe Miocic in March. And uh, Francis opening at, I, I think it was a minus 175 favorite in the rematch. He lost a really tough decision in the first go-round. But, um, you know, like Dustin and Connor in the uh, in the first fight versus second fight, I think they're both different fighters now. Stipe's been in some freaking wars. And uh, Francis has been going through people like a hot knife through butter. Um, I know you're excited for that one. Any thoughts, initial thoughts on that matchup, Stipe and um, Francis? Very similar in some ways because he did lose to him. Yeah, it was a decision. He didn't get knocked out. He didn't get devastated in the kind of way that Poirier had to overcome. But uh, he's a different person. He's more mature. He's more seasoned. You know, he was just a big... Naganya was just a big, strong puncher back then. Uh, I'm not saying he's gotten to the level of development he wants to, but he's he's learned. He's gotten further ahead. He understands, kind of like Poirier was making a point, understood more about what it was about the second time. You know, not just getting in there and throwing down. I think Nganyu knows now from his experience and being around and being more mature, more of what it's about. It's it's great that you're given that great gift of power because punches are born, they're not made. They are. They're born with power, they're not. You can improve it with technique, don't get me wrong, but never going to become a great puncher if you weren't born to be a great puncher. And I think that Nganyu Francis has learned that there's more than just being a great puncher in, in this sport, in, you know, in any sport, in any business. Uh, you know, it's more than just having money in, in business. It's more than just, you know, uh, being a good talker. It's more than just being a guy that, you know, 
knows how to do math pretty well. Uh, there's an accumulation of many, many, many traits and disciplines that go into being successful in whatever your vocation, whatever your endeavor happens happens to be. And same thing here. I think that he has a better understanding and grip, he being Francis, on it's a lot more than just being a big, strong, good puncher. You have to have a way of delivering a punch, a way of dealing with the other guy's punch, a way of, you know, controlling all those aspects of it and understanding the other aspects. I used to say on ESPN a lot of times that being a great punch is a gift. It's a great privilege. It's a great gift. But at the same time, it's a curse. Because if you don't learn the other things with it, it's like you're just looking for that. Then what? <laughs> it's like you're cursed. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> now what? Like, oh, sh- oh sugar. <laughs> He's still standing. <laughs> like, now what? Are the other things there? Is the mental aptitude there? Is the mental endurance? Is the mental, you know, toughness and development? Is that there now to deal with that? Is it? Is it? You're going to find out right now. <laughs> Do you have a jab to go with the power? Do you have defensive abilities to go with it? Or is that all you had? Like the great, great, and he's great. He's great. One of my favorites. George Foreman, who showed how great he is by reinventing himself, doing a metamorphosis, and coming back as a different person, a different entertainment uh, entertainer, a different spokesperson, a different... Uh, everything, a, a different personality and a different fighter, a better, even at that age, a better, more tougher, more disciplined, more seasoned, more experienced fighter. I mean, he, he's special. But like he said, when, when it all came crumbling down on him by the great, great Muhammad Ali in Zaire, in that great upset, when after Ali made him Spend himself. Rawr, 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 rawr. Where George hadn't learned that it was more than just power yet. Yet. But he would. And he would be great afterwards. Really special. But he's... Rawr, rawr. And Ali's doing the rope of dope. Blocking her, and somewhere around, I don't know, six or seven. I think Ali stopped him in the eighth. But somewhere around six or seven. Ali says, that all you got, George? <laughs> and, and George said, yep, that's about it. <laughs> you know, you better have something else, guys. You better, and whatever you do, guys, whatever you do, you better have more than just money. You better have more than just a gift of gab. You, you, you better have more than just a nice-looking suit. Ken's got a lot of nice-looking suits, by the way, <laughs> but he's got more. He's got more. You better have more than just those things. You better be more in the courtroom than just the first to graduate in your in your law class with all those brains. You better be able to handle what sometimes happens, like the district attorney throws a curveball at you, <laughs> or the judge says, "No, no, I will not allow that into evidence." What? What? <laughs> what? You better have something else in life. You better. And if you don't, start working at it. <laughs> start working at it because you can. Because you can. And um, that for me, that's the thing, the difference in this fight. A little bit like uh, Poirier. That, that 
Francis will have a better head and a better understanding of all the intricacies that it's more than just being a big guy with power. Yeah. And um, if the power's not there, the jab can be there. You know, the mind can be there. You know, something else can be there. So, and, and listen, the other guy is getting older too. Uh, I don't know their ages, but the other guy's been around. He's been in more fights. Uh, there's wear and tear. There's miles on the odometer. You know, he's terrific, the other guy. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, he's been... 38. All right, there it is. See, I was right. I'm right once in a while. Sometimes I'm, I'm right. I, I thought so. And um and Francis is about thirty two is is something like that yeah about that the thirty four but but right. I mean just in terms of the odometer you could tell Steve that's Bay has the got a lot more miles on no him. that's the knocked difference. out by by Daniel Cormier he went life and death the second time with Cormier Francis has really never it's been it's the miles you're right yeah. it's the miles he's never really been beat up no 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 he has no and um so it should be listen. We admire, we respect all of these guys, um, but we'll be rooting for Francis. We don't hide it. We'll be rooting for him, and uh, I hope he can, you know. He's another guy like Poirier. You know, he does good things in Cameroon, where he, his home country. Very. He does things to help others, you know. Uh, I like people. I know this is going to happen, but people are used to me. I like people, Ken, who are not selfish <laughs> you know what I was going to say. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, well, before we go, I know uh, our boxing fans are going to be disappointed if we don't touch on some of the boxing news. Hey, can and I one say one other thing? One other thing. Of because course. I made Rob my man. I made him get this track ready, and I don't want it wasted. Um, there was one moment. There was one moment in a fight. It's never perfect. But that's where the mental stuff, that's where the toughness, that's where it comes in. You overcome it. There was one moment when I was giving, talking about how Dustin took a walk downtown, changed levels of distance, and he didn't get caught at the end. But he did get caught one time at the end of a left hand uh, in a fight. Because you, you're not, very rarely you're going to fight a perfect, perfect fight. And he did. But that's where his toughness that's where it comes in, and he overcame it. He got caught that one time at the end of the left hand with uh, McGregor. But even there, even there, he rode with it a little bit. Like, he just rode with it. Just, it wasn't quite, if it was two inches, Ken, if it was two, if it was two inches closer into that punch, it might have been a difference, but it wasn't. Yep. Just, just, and, and the point is, for, for the fans and for, you know the aspiring fighters out there, that it's it's a game of inches. Life can be a game of inches, just just inches, and you and, you, and it's not an accident. You train for those inches, just and just just you train for them. That that you understand that it's not about the stuff that's so obvious. You know, a mile, a foot, a, a yard, but it it can be the difference. Just just an inch here and there. And it reminded me of, you know, I had to throw a movie in there, Ken, for you, you know, for your kids, because they, they love when Uncle Teddy uh, brings brings an <laughs> analogy from a movie. Any Al Pacino, the great Al Pacino with any given Sunday, when he's in that great, great, great locker room speech. One of the best. Where, 
Oh my goodness, when he's in there and he's just saying, the interests, the interests we need are all around us. They're all around, they're everywhere. They're all around us. An inch here, an inch there makes all the difference. An inch too soon, you miss him. An inch too late, he's got you. We need those inches. I had to do it. <laughs> to satisfy our boxing fans out there, <clears throat> Ryan Garcia tweeting recently that he's um, trying to get a fight finalized with um, Manny Pacquiao. I know you might have some insight on this one. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that potential matchup and where it stands. I've, I've reached out right away. We have sources. That's another. Don't you love that when you, when you hear the people? I, I have sources. <laughs> you know, I always wanted to say that. I was never that kind. I was never really inclined to be that guy on ESPN. Well, the one thing that your sources can rest assured with is that you'll never reveal the sources. If there's anyone you can trust with the, uh, with the secret or the nuclear codes, it's Teddy. That, that, I appreciate it. And that I would say usually I don't want to pat myself and I, on the back, <laughs> but that you happen to be accurate about. There's no gray area there. You don't have to even take the credit. Anyone who knows you would know. You could tell it. You could tell Teddy that you're like where you buried the bodies. No one will ever find out. Well, not till they smell them. <laughs> 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 they have to smell them. But um, no. So I have my sources. <laughs> like all those my buddies on ESPN love to say. I, I got sources. I got sources. Yeah, really? What kind of sauces? Uh, tomato sauce, anchovy <laughs> sauce. <laughs> I got sauces. Uh, most of them have really actually uh, marinara sauce uh, more than they have sauces. But <laughs> anyway, everyone has sauces. But I talk to my sauces and legitimate real sauces. Otherwise, obviously, I wouldn't waste anyone's time. And... There's nothing made, obviously. There's nothing done, but there's real. The conversation is real. The conversation is real. They got to find the money. We like to get right to the point and get it right to our fans. It comes down to finding the money. If they can find the promoters, could get obviously. Uh, PPC would be involved with. Uh, you know, they from what I understand, they still have. A, probably still have a fight left with Manny and obviously they have the history they have so they'd have to be involved and of course Golden Boy is Ryan so if the promoters um, if the networks if they can find a money person which happens in boxing which you know is a necessi necessary uh, is you know a big uh need obviously in any business you have to have money if they can find the money um it could it could possibly happen i mean it's real as far as conversation about the possibility of it yes and then money has to be there if that happens the fight could happen at the end of the day it'll be up to manny manny will be the one that i have because ryan's ready to go He's a young kid. He believes in himself. He understands uh, the magnitude of this, what Manny would mean, what it would mean beating a guy of his, uh, an iconic guy. Even, you know, Manny's, you know, older now. Let's face it. He's 42. I think he's 42. Um, but 
He's older now, but he's still shown himself to be special uh, in his last couple of fights, even at this age, doing what he's done. But Ryan is a smart young kid that has a great belief in his destiny. And he um, obviously, if the, he, he, he would obviously uh, accept the fight and want the fight. He, he knows the upside for him. He's smart. He understands, again, what it would mean to fight such an iconic fighter uh, at this point in his career. It, at the end of the day, it would come down to Manny, you know, everything being right, starting with money. And if that's there and that's right, and then it would be up to Manny to uh, to give the go-ahead for it. But um, but that's that's what I can tell you, that the conversation... The possibility is real. Gotta find the uh, the coins, baby. <laughs> you gotta get the Benjamins. Gotta get the Benjamins yep. before the next uh, stage of negotiation. If not that there's a negotiation yet, but before the next phase, gotta get the Benjamins. Yep. So that's 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 pretty much it. Yep. Well. A little bit of lull in the action here with the next weekend, 102 weekends. Not much going on. We got Caleb Plant in action, who uh, I'm a huge fan of Caleb Plant. I like him. He's exciting. He's fighting Caleb Truax next week. But other than that, Teddy, we don't have anything on the calendar for a couple of weeks here. But coming up in this... True, Truax, listen, Truax is a fighter. Yeah. But he's he's not a... I don't see him as a guy who's going to win this fight, nope. to be honest. I see it more as giving... Listen, I, I say what I feel. We, we always do. That's why people listen. Um, I like Plant. He's a good, solid, technical fighter. Really, really, they've done a marvelous job moving him, marvelous job navigating him, managing him. Uh, and they're giving him, uh, they're giving him a nice fight. They're giving him a fight. I'm not saying it's, it's a complete uh, slam dunk. But maybe it's close to a layup. He, I mean, he's. But it might not. It, it might not be made in the UFC. You're telling me? No, it might not be. It might not be. I mean, listen, UFC sometimes uh, has their hiccups and their burps, but not too often. Not too often. They're on a pretty good diet over there. They 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 eat clean. They eat clean, and um, some of the some of the networks don't eat as clean. Not quite as clean. Some of these <laughs> executives not as clean. Not not so clean, and um, but you know, the fans tolerate it. They tolerate it. Listen, I'm not putting this into the category, like I said, of a fight that you know it's ridiculous shouldn't happen. No, Truex has been a warrior. He's been uh, he's he's been a you know he's been a guy that's been around, but he he's never shown an ability to win at this level. Right. Is that fair? I agree. Yeah, no, so, that's the perfect, perfect description. But I do like Caleb Plant, and I'd I like, like Plant. I like. I, I'd like to see him in tough. Yeah, I like to see him in better. Or again, I'm yeah. trying not to knock Truax, and I'm not. That's not my intention here. My intention is to always give the fans the unvarnished truth that sometimes you ain't gonna get because sometimes there's too many, uh, too many hoops that the commentators are jumping through, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> to satisfy uh, other places, other agendas. Yeah, you know, Caleb Plant. Caleb Plant gives some good interviews. I actually, I don't I think he's do from now. one thing. I don't do. We don't do. Can you hand me that? And that Sam, my man Sam, 
Just having because I didn't know I was going to have an opportunity to finally break these out. I didn't know, Ken. But you know what? My daughter, <laughs> my daughter ordered these for me on Amazon uh, a while ago. They didn't come on time when I wanted them for for a certain episode. But they're here, and they got to be warmed up. They got to be used. So I'll break them out. I we don't do pom poms. We don't do pom poms over here. Okay, me and Ken don't do pom. There, Ken. There you go. We don't do pom poms. No pom poms here. Okay. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> With that being said, I'm a big fan of Caleb Plant, and coincidentally, he might be the uh, second boxing guy in Nashville. Me and him. Nashville, Tennessee, (laughs) Caleb Plant. Might be my new best friend in Nashville. So maybe at some point we could get him on for a chat. But what I was going to say with regards to the upcoming schedule, it's a little bit light. So as I said earlier and Teddy mentioned, we've got an interview with uh, Dustin Poirier coming up later this week. We're also working on getting a conversation lined up with Max Holloway. A couple other things in the pipeline that we're working on, but some exciting stuff coming up. So hopefully we can bring you some good boxing and UFC interviews in the coming week or two. And uh, next time I see you, Teddy, I'll be coming to you from the great state of Tennessee. uh, Are you going to be wearing all orange? (laughs) You're going to be... We'll be more in, uh, more likely to be in black and gold. We'll be in Nashville, where uh, Vanderbilt, where my wife went to oh, college. Okay. Um, not the Tennessee Volunteers, okay? Definitely okay. not. And Vanderbilt, where our great producer Rob Moore also went to college. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. So we've got the uh, the Vandy connection there. Go Commodores! Hey, yeah. Well, <laughs> definitely, I'll be rooting. Um, I want to. Li- I want to finish with one thing for the fans out there that you know that are a little hurting from their man. Uh, and listen, they're used to it because that's part of the risk in this tough business in UFC and boxing too, of course, but more so in UFC because they match them tougher as we've as we've stated and really shown the proof of on this show. Um, but the fans that, you know, you're a little hurt by your man McGregor uh, losing and uh, listen first of all you would never count that guy out never he's got too much pride too much ability what is he 32 years old so you couldn't you you, you wouldn't count him out number one but what I want to say in all fairness because a lot of people say we were so pro Poirier and I, I wouldn't say that I, I don't think we're that but we don't hide that we're that we care about him and his friends and we were rooting for we don't hide it but we pointed out I think fairly both sides but what I want to say is, and this is things that's known, but maybe a reminder of how important and how iconic McGregor really has been and uh, has become to this sport of UFC. He's the guy that brought it to a new level, uh, to a new level, kind of like Tiger Woods bringing golf to, an, to another level of being watched by the audience. I, I think that's fair. He's brought it to that level. Now listen, he's not the guy that started it or the only guy that's been part of that building. It's always it's always a work in progress in anything that you're developing in a company, uh, in anything, uh, as a fighter, as a person, as a human being, uh, uh, you know, in whatever you're doing. It's always a process of getting to the next point 
And there's a lot of people that were involved in that process. I mean, it probably starts with the Gracies, the great Gracies in UFC. Unbelievable. Brazilian jiu-jitsu um, geniuses, uh, kings, masters. They, they, were the, they were the, and I remember them when, when UFC was just in its infancy. I remember them. I remember actually the, the owners of it. Um, I'm probably going to massacre their name. You're going to help me. The Tejita brothers. Um, I think that was Tejita, but one of them reached out to me. Oh, the Fratitas, the Fratitas, the casinos. Fratitas, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They owned the casinos. They owned the casinos in yes, Vegas. Frank and Lorenzo. Yeah, and I think we did some, we did do some fights in their casinos, I believe, um, years ago going back, my God, 23 years, whatever, in uh, Vegas with ESPN. I think we did some some of our Friday night fights there. I, I, I believe so. But anyway, they, they so I, I remember the people that were part of the building of the great sport that has become the great product. I mean, Dana White, they've done an unbelievable job. But I, I mean, the trailblazers, like I said, starts with the Gracies, Tito Ortiz. I made, I made sure that I wrote them down. Uh, Shamrock. I remember these guys. I remember Shamrock. Uh, Brock Lesnar, Silva, of course, those guys, St. Pierre Jones, Ronda Rousey came along, Khabib, all those guys. But the early ones that, that kept it going before it got to this level that were part of of course, then, you know, Chuck Liddell, Randy Kocher, Aldo, Bisbang, Holloway, DC, Cormier, Diaz, all of them, Poirier now, all of them. But they put their, truly put their sweat and blood, their blood and guts into the sport. They were all part of getting it to this point. But McGregor was the catalyst. I think it, it's got to just, I had to say it, that's all. Uh, that he was the, he was the, he was the catalyst to get it to the, to the next point, to bring that kind of attention, you know, uh, like I said earlier, like a t very similar to what Tiger Woods. I mean, you had Arnold Palmer and you had Jack Nicholson, and, and you, you know, you had all those great golfers. They, they're not forgotten about that. That kept the sport going and that developed the sport and brought the sport uh, to to new levels. But then Tiger took it to another new level, mm -hmm. and I, I just wanted to to throw that out there uh, and, uh, and finish with my thoughts on McGregor by saying he's also one of those rare guys, Ken, that can lose and people will still watch him. Yes. It's not anywhere near that sentence where he can, and the only guys I can remember, well, there's a few, but the ones in more modern times were Mike Tyson and Arturo Gatti. Yep. They were they were the, they were like that. They could lose a fight. It yep. didn't mean a damn thing. France was still gonna yeah. watch, networks were still gonna pay because they knew what they brought. They knew what they brought with them. Excitement, electricity, knockouts, whatever, whatever. But interest that the fans would be there. It wasn't contingent on winning or losing. And there's very few there's very few people in in sports, really, that you could say that it doesn't matter 
and we're talking about combat sports, obviously, that it doesn't matter so much if they win or lose. McGregor was one of those guys. People will still You could say the same thing about Tiger Woods. When That's that guy's a, in a tournament, true. the TV ratings are through the roof. Very, when he's not in there, no, they're not as good. True. Very true. Uh, I was concentrating more on examples from combat sports. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, exactly. So I just wanted to say that with, you know, we have feelings over here, too. <laughs> <laughs> we have feelings. <laughs> that's that's yep. what. Well, Teddy, before we sign off, I just want to give another quick shout-out to our newest um, sponsor, Amp Human. Check them out at amphuman.com. I love this stuff. I use their PR lotion before every workout and every race I run, and I use the vitamin D plus lotion every morning. You rub it on your forearms. Make sure you're getting your vitamin D protection with the COVID situation. So I know you have some of this, Teddy, and um, That's, make sure you're using it every day. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. It's, yep. it's good. You know, it's just to finish off of what you just brought up with that is um, – we talked about the importance of being the top of your game. These guys, it's so many elements, so many elements, and elements that you can control. And the ones you can't control, well, that's where the mental part comes in, that you handle it. Yep. But there's so many elements to winning at a high level. You know, the conditioning, the training, the dedication, the commitment, the, the discipline, all of that. And then, of course, we talked about it to another level today, Ken. The game plan, the you know, uh, the you know the 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 seasoning that you had to get, uh, all of those things, the a part of all the elements that you need to win at a high level, and when there's things available, you grab them, they you use them. And in that case, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, you're going to have to have the mental development and the, and the toughness and the seasoning and the technique, uh, the physical attributes that you were born with. You have to develop them to their utmost. All of that. All of that's part of winning. And whatever you do. But then there's things like you're talking about, in this case supplements, where if it's good, use the damn thing. Yep, and that's helps. where we get uh, athletic greens and amp human. Use those two things. I mean, next to working out, sleep and uh, supplementation, two most important things you can do. The free uh, free performance enhancers that are legal in uh, all 50 states. I'm glad you said that. That's uh, very important. We, we would <laughs> never, ever push anything that did not have uh, things that are all above board. Exactly. Well, Teddy, thanks for doing this. It was a pleasure. We're going to, like I said, guys, we're going to have Dustin Poirier coming out. We're working on getting a tough conversation with Max Holloway, and we've got some other exciting things in the pipeline for you as well. Thanks for being with us. Please subscribe to the channel, share it, comment, all the usual uh, requests. And uh, thanks for being with us, guys. 